Well, good morning. Uh, thank you again for the opportunity to share God's word with you and uh, in this series that you're sharing the, in the life of Christ. And this morning we look at the subject of uh, forgiveness. I did provide a small outline that uh, you may like to follow as we go through. If you haven't got one, it's uh, on the table out the back. But uh, you'll notice that we're going to look at uh, three stories and three questions this morning. And on the back of your uh, little handout, you've got the second of the questions. Uh, what does the Bible teach about forgiveness of sin? And you've got five practical steps for forgiveness and healing. I must apologise that the sentence after that heading says, I want to share with you five easy steps. They're not easy at all. Five steps that you may like to use in that process, but uh, you can have a look at that uh, a little later. In considering the life of Christ, we come today to the topic of forgiveness. We'll be focusing on Jesus' teaching uh, from Matthew 18 that... uh, Nancy so beautifully read. She's not here for me to say that, but she did read it very beautifully. From Matthew 18, verses 15 to 35. And we'll share three stories of extraordinary uh, forgiveness. Ronnie Smith was shot and killed while jogging on the morning of December 3rd, 2013 in Libya, Benghazi, Libya. He was serving as a chemistry teacher in the university. Ronnie moved to Libya with his wife and son as an act of faith. After his death, his wife Annie wrote an open letter to the Libyans and the attackers. She told them that she understood where they were coming from, that she loved them and had already forgiven them despite what had happened. The first part of this section of our reading this morning, Matthew 15, uh, 18, verses 15 to 20, is commonly, commonly referred to as Matthew's section on church discipline as it discusses how to deal with a member who has sinned against another member of the church. Jesus urges his disciples to have honest conversation in private with the offending party. No passive aggressive behaviour, just forthright conversation. We all know that it is much easier to complain to others about the one who has offended us than to talk to the offending person. But Jesus leaves no room for such self-absorbed grudge nursing. Restoring a broken relationship must begin with conversation between the two parties. If the offending member refuses to listen, Jesus advises bringing along one or two others as witnesses for further conversation. And if the member still refuses to listen, the matter may be brought before the whole church. If it becomes necessary to exclude someone from the church for the sake of the integrity and well-being of the community, this is never portrayed as a final judgment. A community that has Jesus as Lord is one that is always seeking to reconcile and restore. The purpose of the conversation is never to place blame, is never to accuse, but the purpose of the conversation is to reconcile and to restore. 
for Jesus' forgiveness is of paramount importance. We could say it is the flip side of the coin of love. Last week we talked about loving one another. Love ranks first, the top side of the coin, heads if you like. As we saw last week, Jesus wants us to love one another as he had loved us and he explained that the way people will know that we are his disciples is by that love that we have for one another. But as we, need, as we recognise, our love is imperfect. We live in a fallen, broken world and we damage our relationship with God. You and I damage our relationship with our neighbour. We damage unintentionally our relationship with each other when we sin. The coin flips tails. When I use the word sin, I refer to the pride, the rebellion, the hurt, the guilt and the bondage that very often holds us tightly. To remain in that condition and alienation from God and others is to be in a tailspin out of control. Forgiveness is the way we turn the coin back to heads and return to love. As I prepared, I came across this little picture that I could I could relate to and some of you husbands may be able to relate to as well or maybe it's just the children that do that but uh, <laughs> it's not true but uh, it's, uh, it's, he looks fairly guilty, the little uh, Jack Russell. You've all heard the saying, to err is human and to forgive is divine. This means that it is natural for people to make mistakes and we all recognise that we've stuffed up. We all recognise that we've hurt people either intentionally or unintentionally and we all need forgiveness and it is important that we forgive people when they hurt us. Kimberly Dawn wrote this piece on forgiveness that has uh, much truth in it because uh, if we leave things undealt with and there is hurt within that we haven't uh, dealt with, well then that uh, continues as a cancer eating away at our hearts. A definition of forgiveness means to wipe the slate clean or to pardon someone's wrongdoing. According to Webster, forgiveness is the attitude of someone willing to forgive another person. To forgive means to stop feeling anger towards someone or something that has done you wrong. This morning's message is extremely important for all of us. God's word on forgiveness promises freedom, promises love, promises healing, but it is a call to action. It is a call to action first in confession and repentance to God to receive his promised forgiveness and second in forgiving others, family, friends, even our enemies. To get to the truth of God's word on this is essential to our well-being, essential to our physical, emotional and spiritual well-being. I kid you not. I guess we've all seen people who have been eaten away by that lack of forgiveness. According to the Mayo Clinic, 
letting go and forgiving can lead to healthier relationships, greater spiritual and psychological well-being, less anxiety, stress and hostility, lower blood pressure, fewer symptoms of depression, stronger immune system, improved heart health and higher self-esteem. Are you convinced that forgiveness is important? There are three questions that we're going to look at this morning. What did Jesus teach about forgiveness? What does the Bible teach about forgiveness of sin? And what does the Bible say about forgiving others? So what did Jesus teach about forgiveness? Jesus often spoke about forgiveness. He forgave those who sinned against others and he forgave those who sinned against himself and asked the church to continue that healing ministry. Jesus taught, if you forgive others when they sin against you, your heavenly Father, oh sorry, have I gone too far? Uh, your, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Peter asked, how often is it necessary to forgive? And Jesus replied, seventy-seven times or 70 times. He says, do we forgive seven times or 77 times? And other translations say say 70 times seven. So whether it's 70 or whether it's 490, you're not allowed to count, you know, because in fact it's talking about that the number is taken symbolically, not literally, for the never-ending way that we ought to forgive. In order to illustrate this point, Jesus tells the story uh, in verses 23 to 35. He tells about the king who forgave a servant of an enormous debt only to find that the forgiven servant refused to have mercy on a fellow servant who owed him a sum of money that was paltry by comparison. This is a debt almost beyond calculation. The Message Bible puts it as $100,000, one that no person in that day could possibly pay in a lifetime or in many lifetimes. One wonders why the king was so foolish to allow such an accumulation of debt, but that's another question. In any case, when it is clear that the servant cannot pay, he initially orders that the servant of his wife and children be sold as slaves and their property sold in order to repay at least a tiny fraction of that debt. The servant, however, falls on his knees and begs the king. He says, have patience with me and I will repay you everything. Now this is a fairly preposterous promise and the the king knows it. There's no way that the servant could ever repay such an enormous amount. Yet the servant's plea moves the king to compassion so that not only does he release the man but he cancels the entire debt. The forgiven service, the servant then encounters a fellow servant who owes him 100 denarii, approximately as the Message Bible puts it, $10 compared to the $100,000. In a gesture totally at odds with the mercy he has just received. He seizes his fellow servant by the throat and demands that he pays what he owes. And even when the fellow servant pleads with him using exactly the same words, nearly exactly the same words that he himself had used before the king, have patience with me, I will repay you, the servant refuses 
and has his fellow servant thrown into prison. The servant's actions suggest that he has not comprehended the enormity of the debt forgiven him by the king, nor has he realised the intrinsic connection between being forgiven and freely forgiving another person. When the king hears about the servant's actions, he is so outraged that he repeals his forgiveness and throws the servant into prison. Now, now what the scripture says is that in anger his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay all, all that he owed. Now, that's going to be for a long time. Tortured until he pays all that he owed. Now, brothers and sisters, that's an incentive to forgive. (laughs) And, And then he goes on, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother and sister from your heart. Now, these are heavy words. We know what Jesus asks of us as we pray the Lord's Prayer. We say, Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Still, it seems so difficult, even impossible, to, for, to forgive from the heart. Yet Jesus' parable illustrates why forgiveness is so important. The alternative to forgiveness is a heart grown hard with resentment. It is alienation from one another, and in the worst case, it is violence. A world without forgiveness is a world of relational wreckage, the opposite of the wholeness and fullness of life that God intends for us. Now some of you may be here this morning and you're thinking of things in your life that have been, that have been hurts, things that people have done or said, that you're thinking to yourself you cannot possibly understand the hurt and the devastation that that has brought to me. How can I apply these things to that particular situation? Jesus was extremely kind and merciful. Yeah, Jesus was particularly kind and merciful in the way that he forgave those who who sinned against others. Jesus told the paralytic, "Child, your sins are forgiven." In Mark 2 verse 5, when a sinful woman bathed Jesus' feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair, Jesus said, your sins are forgiven in Luke 7 48. When a woman caught in adultery was brought before him, he said, I do not condemn you in John 8 11. And as Jesus hung on the cross, he told the repentant criminal, today you will be with me in paradise, Luke 23 Verse 43. Even more compelling is the way that Jesus forgave those who sinned against him directly. After the Roman soldiers had scoured, scourged him and nailed him, Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them. After the resurrection, Jesus had every right to be furious with his followers. Peter had denied him. The others had deserted him and when he entered the utter room they deserved a severe reprimand but instead with divine compassion Jesus not only once but three times said peace be with you in John 20 verses 19 to 21. 
Jesus asked his disciples to continue his forgiveness ministry. Jesus told Peter, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And after the resurrection, Jesus breathed on the disciples and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone their sins, they will be forgiven. During the Rwandan sorry during the Rwandan genocide in the mid 90s the entire family of Emmanuel was murdered in a massacre her life was spared because she and seven other women hid in a small bathroom during the ordeal Emmanuel chose to forgive the people behind the death of her family because she felt that bitterness and hatred would only destroy her. She went on to write a best-selling book entitled Left to Tell and she founded the Left to Tell charitable fund in order to help children who have been orphaned, orphaned due to that genocide. An amazing extraordinary expression of forgiveness that only God can enable us to do. The second question is what does the Bible teach about forgiveness of sin? The Bible says God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us in Romans 8 and verse 5. It also says that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. If you ask God to forgive your sins, God will forgive you. Once you are forgiven, you need to forgive yourself. The devil is the accuser of men. Many of us have journeyed the Christian life for a long time, but at a moment of weakness, a moment when we're vulnerable, the devil brings back those memories of where we have stuffed up in the past. And it may have been huge, but he is the accuser of men and we've got to deal with that. We need to forgive ourselves so that we can move on and replace that with what God is leading us onto. The scripture says, love covers a multitude of sins in First Peter 4 and verse 8. God's love covers you, your mistakes and your imperfections, my mistakes and my imperfections. He is faithful to forgive and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, 1 John 1.9. It calls us to short accounts with God. He will make your sins white as snow, as in Isaiah verse 1 and 18 says, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. God forgives hidden faults. Who can discern, the psalmist says in verse 19, verse 12 of chapter 19, who can discern his errors? 
forgive my hidden faults. Sometimes at night when we're, in fact, uh, having our prayer at night, uh, Nola says, uh, Lord, forgive me if I've done anything wrong during the day. And I say, well, God likes you to be a bit more specific than that. And I sort of tease her about being more <laughs> specific. But even those things that we do unintentionally, you know, is stuff that we've, that we've been covered for uh, by God's love and by uh, what Jesus did for us on the cross. Confess to the Lord your transgressions and he will forgive you. I acknowledge my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Brothers and sisters, uh, there is a wonderful promises of God's forgiveness of, of the things that we have done wrong that we sometimes struggle to forgive ourselves. But here is uh, uh, the God of the universe, the King of kings and the Lord of lords saying, come to me and I will forgive you. You can be released. This can be uh, the, the first day of the rest of your life, released from that burden, freedom and forgiveness and love that will enable you to show that forgiveness and that love to others. The third question is what does the Bible say about forgiving others? Learning to forgive is hard, especially when you are hurt by someone you love and trust. Some of you may be hurt because you were cheated on, because your spouse was found unfaithful. Others may be hurt because you were verbally or physically or sexually abused. A few of you may have been lied to or mistreated and neglected. This is not everybody's story, but this is the reality of some. Our neighbours, our friends, our colleagues, it is the reality in the world in which we live. Whatever your story or the story of your friends, God can heal the broken pieces of those lives. However, to initiate the healing process, you must take the first step and forgive The beneficiary of forgiveness is not the recipient but the forgiver. Forgiveness begins with you and with me. Colossians 3.13 says, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. Luke 6.37, Judge not and you shall not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. But as I've stirred up some of those thoughts and experiences in your mind, does that mean that you have to forgive and to forget? While it is ideal to forgive and forget, this is not a scriptural concept. The Bible commands us to forgive. It does not command us to forget. And humanly speaking, it is very difficult to forget. However, choosing to forget does not mean the offence never happened. It does not mean the offender is off the hook. It means you choose not to dwell on the actions that hurt you. You stop reliving the moment in your mind. 
so that you can move on into other relationships. This is the power of forgiving and forgetting. You nullify the emotional power of the hurt that it has over you. And in so doing, healing can perform its perfect work in your life. But that's the call to action. It starts with me and it starts with you. Does the Bible have anything to say about forgiveness and holding grudges? Matthew 6 verses 14 and 15 says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And here's another incentive for us to take forgiveness and forgiving others very seriously. Choosing not to forgive does more damage to you than it does to the person you choose not to forgive. If you do not forgive, God will not forgive you. When you consider the cost, holding a grudge is not worth it. When you consider the cost, when you absolutely need God's forgiveness and without it you remain in sin with no option of redemption. So what else can we do, brothers and sisters, when confronted with these words from Scripture? In addition, refusing to forgive affects our prayer life. We may be praying one thing, but your prayers are literally hindered from being answered because of the grudge that you hold in your heart. Jesus says in Mark 11.25, when you're praying, first forgive anyone that you have anything against. Forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. Put it right first. Jesus tells us to forgive before coming to him in prayer. Take that in for a moment. Are there grudges you are holding on to? Are there hurts that you're holding on to? Even if you feel justified, is there someone you need to forgive? As a Christian, your prayer life is vital. It is how we communicate with God. It is also how you make your petition and supplication known to God. You cannot afford not to forgive. Secondly, consider if you have offended someone, if someone is holding a grudge against you, ask for their forgiveness. It is worth noting, if someone does not accept your apology, do not carry guilt in your heart for their unforgiveness. You have done your part as a follower of Christ. You can request forgiveness, but you cannot make someone forgive you, as we all know. Now I've given you seven practical steps of, uh, of how to, uh, to forgive and to find healing and I, uh, I trust that you will find those helpful uh, and I've used this over the years and I've found it very helpful that you just sit in a quiet place, you grab a pen and paper, you write down names, be honest with yourself, write the names of every individual that has hurt you uh, and this may include family members or friends or peers or co-workers, whoever they are, write their names down and then write the offence next to every name. Write it in detail what the person has done to hurt you. It may hurt to recall the offence, but understand before it can get better, you must first deal with the hurt and then release and forgive. Now that you have your list of names and offences compiled, it's time to release yourself from the hurt and pain of that offence. Forgive them. Go over every name and say, I forgive you. 
What a powerful thing to forgive a person, although they never ask for it. Remember, forgiveness benefits the forgiver. We will need forgiveness. We all need forgiveness, even those who don't ask for it. And then renew your heart. After your release and forgiveness, then pray, Lord, help my heart to match my confession. Forgiveness does not happen overnight. It is, in fact, a process. Our third and final story. Graham Stuart Staines was born in 1941 and he died on, in January 1999. He was an Australian missionary who was burnt to death along with his two sons, Philip aged nine and Timothy aged seven, while sleeping in his station wagon in a village in Orissa, India, in January 1999. Graeme Staines had been working in Orissa among the tribal poor and especially with leprosy patients since 1965. Gladys, Graeme's wife, returned to India in June 2006 and in an interview underlined the importance of forgiveness. In forgiveness, she said, there is no bitterness and when there is no bitterness, there is hope. This consolation comes from Jesus Christ. She and her daughter now live in Brisbane. At Cross Culture we have a partnership with a group called Asha Karan up in southern Orissa. We travel there many times with groups. Every year we send a group to that place. And whilst uh, this event took uh, a little further up in middle Orissa, Uh, the people are very conscious. This incident brought great shame to India. They were mortally wounded by what occurred by these extremist Hindu people. And of course it took a number of years to find the perpetrator of the crime. The the policeman that was in charge of of that investigation, finally there was a person responsible and held accountable. But in our last visit two years ago to Orissa, one of the staff members came to us all excited and he said, you know, that policeman that conducted that, uh, uh, that investigation has now become a follower of Jesus. You know? And uh, it was just that uh, they were just beaming and they were just overwhelmed because there was a replacement of the hurt and the shame that came with that death. Gladys and her daughter, as I said, are in Brisbane now and, uh, and it was an extraordinary act of uh, offering forgiveness to those Hindu extremists. Now it helps to remember that to forgive is not to deny the pain. It's not to deny the wrongness of an act or the wrongness of the words. It it is not to excuse that which is unjust or, or hurtful, nor is it to tolerate abuse. Remember what Jesus has already said about confronting the one who has wronged you. Yet in confronting our brother or sister, we also come face to face with our own sin and our own brokenness and realise that we are alike in our utter dependence upon the very being of God. His nature is to be gracious and merciful. His nature is to be slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and whose ultimate goal is always reconciliation and restoration of community. And so as we come to the end, 
we celebrate the fact that Jesus died for us. He paid the ransom for our sin. And if we would but confess and repent and believe, we know that our sins have been cancelled. That in this circle of forgiveness, Jesus has taken, he has paid the debt, he's ransomed our lives, he's stood in our place, and now we have been justified, we've been restored in our relationship, and we're free to move on, unencumbered by the weight of the past that's held us back and released to go forward. You know, as we come to the end of our service, I'm sure if there's anybody who needs prayer or would like someone to pray with you about this particular subject, there'll be people uh, over here that can pray with you after the service. But as we close, let us pray together. Let us pray. Father, I ask for your forgiveness of everything that I have done knowingly and unknowingly displeasing in your sight. I repent and ask for your forgiveness. Father, just as you have forgiven me, I choose to forgive everyone that has hurt me, knowingly and unknowingly. Help me not to hold grudges in my heart. I release every hurt I have to you, and in exchange, I receive your love and peace and healing. Let forgiveness perform its perfect work in my heart. Thank you, God, for forgiving me. Thank you for helping me to forgive others. In Jesus' name. And the people said, Amen.